0: This morning, I want to talk to you about the authority of the kingdom. I want you to understand that the kingdom of God simply is the reign and the rule of God. It is where He rules, where His will is done. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, the kingdom and the will of God go hand in hand. If you have the kingdom, you got the will of God. If the will of God's being done, that's because God reigns there. But you need to understand this, that they go together. We need to understand also that he reigns and he rules in our lives by authority, not by force. He could, but he doesn't. No, he's chosen to reign in our lives by authority. You have to make him your king. You know, One of the ways that God created man in his own image is that he gave us a free will to be able to choose. He wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He wants us to choose to believe. He wants us to choose to obey him. He wants us to choose to serve him. And in this age that we live in, it is by our choice that we serve Him, we obey Him. Jesus said in Luke twenty-two, twenty-five 25-30, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you, on the contrary. He who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not the one who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed upon me." See, Jesus says he doesn't exercise authority over us. He doesn't exercise that lordship over us to make us do what he wants us to do. He doesn't rule in our lives by force. No, it's up to us to decide that we want to bow the knee to King Jesus and truly let him rule and reign in our lives. That's the way that he works in this age. Now ultimately, we know that King Jesus is going to have his way in this earth. He's going to come back and every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. But right now, he rules by authority, the authority of the kingdom. We talk about him ruling, well, he rules the universe by the laws of physics, certain natural laws that he has put into place that govern the physical world. But we also know that the one that spoke the worlds into being, he can also supersede those laws at any time. He can set them aside and do whatever he pleases. He caused the sun to stand still in the, su- in the sky. I want you to know there are a whole lot of the laws of physics that were violated that day. Listen, the one who can command the wind and the waves, the laws of physics and nature are nothing to him. He's the one that made them. You know, we need to, well, we just shouldn't struggle with this because we know that he spoke the worlds into being just by the words of his mouth such power. He also, he rules the animal kingdom by instinct. Now a lot of people struggle with this, but well, we really shouldn't because, you know, there are birds that will migrate to a certain place every year, year after year. How do they know where to go? And there are butterflies that, you know, butterflies only live a very, very short time. But there are butterflies whose ancestors, you know, have passed on, and yet they go to the same field that their ancestors went to. Amazing how God works through this instinct in the animal kingdom, you know, the, the way that a cow takes just automatically knows how to take care of their baby calf. There's something wrong when they don't. Sometimes that happens. But God has put this instinct in them to know how to care for their young. Now, some people get really confused about this. I mean, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, watching cartoons, they had talking animals. And nowadays, some people have gotten the idea that their pet can think and reason, you know. They say, well, you know, dogs are people too, I don't want to make anybody mad this morning. Y'all are way too quiet while I'm talking about this, but I just want you to understand this, that no, he rules the animal kingdom by instinct. And again, he can set that aside. He can use an animal any way that he sees fit. I mean, there's a place in the Old Testament where he spoke to a stubborn prophet from a donkey. I guess the donkey was more stubborn than the prophet. I don't know, but he he spoke to this prophet through a donkey. He also used a big fish to swallow up a preacher that was going the wrong way. Y'all know about Jonah and the well, right? We call it the well. It just says big fish, but anyway, hmm. That's our God. He can do anything he wants, but with us. He chooses to rule by authority, and it is our choice whether or not he is our King and our Lord. You know, talking about old Jonah being swallowed up. Do you know the Lord didn't make Jonah go to Nineveh? I mean, it may kind of look that way, and I want you to know that God can sure put you in a situation where the easy way is to go his way. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the Lord can hem you in and sometimes, but let me tell you what he was doing with Jonah and what he mercifully does with a lot of people is that he'll put you in a place where it makes it a whole lot easier to see what the right choice is. And when Jonah was in the belly of that big fish, he, he knew what the right choice was. And he decided to do what God wanted him to do. Now, you know, it just took Jonah three days. I'm telling you, there are some people, they've been in the belly of the fish for years, and they still won't do what God wants them to do. Still blaming God. Still accusing God. But you see, God rules in our life by authority. It is our choice to make him king. Some people, they just resist him. They reject him from being king in their life. And they live a life of struggle and bondage, a world of heartache and disappointment. But there is a king who wants to change it all, who wants to be their savior. See, people can resist him and reject him. Oh, but this loving God, He is always waiting to come into our lives and change our lives. But it is always by our own choice. You know, in the kingdom of heaven, in heaven, right now, I want you to know something about heaven. There's no sin. There's no evil. There's no wickedness. There's no strife. There's no turmoil, nor conflict. There's no tears in heaven. And there's no lack There's no need. There's no suffering. There's no sickness. What a wonderful place heaven is. Why? Because the king reigns supreme there. His will is done absolutely. Nobody can defy his will in the kingdom of heaven. That's what we pray for. That's what we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ are advancing in this world. It is his rule and reign, his kingdom. But it has to be by our choosing, by submitting to his lordship and we choose to make him our king and his kingdom comes in our life. Jesus says the kingdom is within you. We choose to submit to King Jesus. But get this the powers of darkness have no choice about it. They have to obey him. Mm, got some skeptics. Mm-hmm. You see this clearly in the ministry of Jesus. Over and over again, he commanded evil spirits. And guess what? 100% of the time, they obeyed him. They could not disobey. There was never a time when a demon didn't do what Jesus commanded it to do. There's no struggle between good and evil. This is an almighty God commanding a created being. And he cannot resist, cannot refuse him. If you know, Jesus walked this earth, he had absolute authority over demons. Never a time when they could refuse him. In fact, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus was going to cast these demons. It said there were many. He was going to cast these demons out of a man. And here's what it says in verse 12. So all the demons begged him. That's what they can do. beg. They can't resist him. They can't refuse him. They can just beg. And so they begged him, send us into the swine. And we don't know exactly how many there were, but he sent the demons into 2,000 pigs. And the 2,000 pigs all ran down a hill and drowned themselves in the sea. But just understand this. All they could do was beg. They couldn't resist him. He had absolute power over the powers of darkness. Right. And you need to know this, that in this world today, our God still has absolute power against the powers of darkness. Right. The authority of the king. See, remember, Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty, 20, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus had absolute authority over sickness and, and disease. There's so many times when Jesus said it, and it happened, Matthew 8, 5 through 13, it tells us, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him the centurion answered and said lord i'm not worthy that you should come under my roof but only speak a word and my servant will be healed for i am a man under authority having soldiers under me you see this man understood some things about authority that believers today need to understand but notice here that he said i also am a man under authority why did he say i also because he knew that Jesus was under the Father's authority. Jesus said, I always do what pleases Him. Always do what pleases Him. He prayed in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. See, he was under the Father's authority in this centurion. He says, I also am a man under authority, and I have soldiers under me. We need to know this, that authority always flows from the top. And for us to have any authority, we have to be submitted to King Jesus' authority. The centurion, he says, I also am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me, And I and I say to this one, go and he goes, and to another come and he comes, and to my servant do this and he does it. And this is how that power works with the authority of the kingdom that he says go and it goes. He says come and it comes. Jesus has absolute power over the powers of darkness, over sickness and disease. When Jesus heard it, he marveled that He said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I just want to encourage you. See, we need to have faith that the king, Jesus, he can do absolutely anything. And you see, that authority of the king, of the kingdom of God, has such power, the power of heaven is backing it up. Amen. And if we see that, how hard is it for God? Just speak a word. Right. Just speak a word. It's not hard for God. And you see, we need to get our faith up like this centurion. He understood authority, and because of that, he had great faith. Verse 11. And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Seems a little confusing, I think, to a lot of people today, but he's not talking about us as the sons of the kingdom. He's talking about those Jews who rejected him, those who were supposed to be the sons of the kingdom. And he says, they're going to be put out because they rejected the king. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed from that same hour. You see, Jesus spoke the word and it happened that same hour. The power and the authority was there. Somebody had to believe. Oh, how we need to be believing God. When Jesus commissions the disciples to go out and preach the kingdom, he gave them Authority, the authority of the kingdom, Luke ten nine. He says to them, Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And look what they came back saying in verse seventeen. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are sub- subject to us in your name when they used the name of Jesus. What's that about? The name of Jesus is the authority of Jesus. They had the authority of Jesus when they used that name. And they were rejoicing, they were so excited that the demons were subject to them. Hello church, we still have that authority. If we're truly His subjects, if we truly have turned our lives over to Jesus, we still, we have authority over demons. Jesus says to them, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You see, when Satan said, I will be like the most high, and he tried in pride to exalt himself, you need to know this. There was no cosmic struggle between good and evil. It is as simple as this. The day that he tried to exalt himself, God booted him out of heaven. He saw Satan fall like lightning. It didn't listen. Wildly coyote falling off a cliff and hitting the ground—that's nothing like seeing Satan fall like lightning. There's no cosmic battle this garbage that the world projects all the time, this battle between good and evil, I want you to know that our God, he rules and reigns supreme. And this world, we'll see it. But church, we need to understand that in our lives and in his working in and through us, that our God, he has the power and he's given us authority. He backs up that authority with his power. Jesus says, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He says, I give you authority. Now that Greek word in the original text that's translated as authority here, in some passages it's translated as power, and depending upon the translation you're reading, it, you know, it's either translated as authority or power, but here's the thing you need to understand about that is that they both go hand in hand. Because with God's authority, He always backs it up with His power. Now is I studied this this word. There's another word that it can be translated to, and that is jurisdiction. Now, we're familiar with that word because whenever you talk about law enforcement, we understand that a city police officer has jurisdiction in his city to enforce the law, and a county sheriff has a certain jurisdiction within the county to enforce the law. And maybe Uh, some type of federal officer has a broader jurisdiction to enforce the law. They have the authority. That's their jurisdiction. They can enforce the law there. Have you ever seen any of these, I'm going to try to be nice, um, misguided, deceived people and post on YouTube about their experience as a free citizen? Telling some law enforcement officer that they are not under their authority. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, let me tell you how that story always goes. They find out they are under that authority and that officer has the power to enforce it. Well, I want to tell you something what Jesus said here about us. He said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. He has given us jurisdiction over all the power of, a, of the enemy. Now, some people get really confused about this because they think that their enemy is the lost. No! The lost are the ones that we're supposed to reach. We want to share the good news with them. We want to win them to Jesus. They're not our enemy. He gave us power over all the power of the enemy. We have jurisdiction over the evil in this world over the demons in this world, over what Satan is trying to do. And we need to use that authority. It is the authority of the king right. in his people. In what we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 18. Uh, you know, how does Jesus start the Great Commission? Most people think that it starts with, go into all the world but that's not really how it starts. Here's how it starts. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He says, I have all authority, go therefore. You see, it is with this great authority that he sends his people out to go into all the world and make disciples and here's the thing, You see, when we go in his authority, he backs it up. Heaven backs it up. I think a lot of believers today are just totally unimpressed with Jesus' authority as king. They don't recognize it, much less expect that authority to have any real significance in their life. Too many see Jesus as this tragic character who came and preached love, and wicked people killed him. and. How sad is all of that? I want you to understand that our king is a risen Lord. That he is victorious. He is a conquering king. He will make his enemies his footstool. That's what the Bible says. And he's coming back someday to rule and to reign. But right now, he rules and reigns in our lives. King Jesus. And he is a mighty God. He is powerful. Now, Our savior, you see, he wants to establish his kingdom and do his work through his people. And he's given us authority to do that. But hear me now, i got to clarify this. Our authority as a believer is not some power that God has given us to do as we please. Oh, no. It's not to do our will, it is to do His will in the earth. It is to accomplish what He wants. It's not about what we want, it's to further His kingdom, carry out the will of the King. It's just not something for us to use arbitrarily, but rather for us to fulfill His purpose, and bring His kingdom, that we can say, Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. He's authorized us to advance his kingdom. And here's what that looks like in the Great Commission in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus says this, and it's Mark 16, 15 through 18. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I'm telling you, Jesus has given us authority to take the good news in this world. He's given us authority to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons. He's given us that authority to carry out his mission, what he wants to happen. And if Jesus is your king then you need to realize that you are a part of a kingdom. You are here to help advance the kingdom of God. And you need to know that He has given you authority and His power backs it up. Matthew 16, 18 and 19, we usually just talk about verse 18. I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. I love that verse. I mean, you you can preach... Five messages on that verse, but I'm just telling you, sometimes we need to go ahead and connect the next thing that he said. He says, and, see, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It is no accident that when he's talking about the church and the gates of hell not being able to stop it, that he talks about keys, the keys of the kingdom. Keys come with authority. I got one key here. This one key will unlock any locked door in this entire building. And I can't tell you how much I like that. Because when the church used to be in Fort Worth and been added on to and grown over the years that way, and you know, and just so many doors had been changed, locks had been changed, and so you know, I'd pull out my church key ring, <clears throat> and I, you know it was kind of like a, a janitor of a school, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just so many different keys. So I really like having just one. But you, you know why I have this one key? Because I have authority to go into any room in this building. You need to understand, these keys, this is not just some pre-language here. What is this about? He's given us the keys of the kingdom so we can unlock some things. And what does he say next? He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We can open that gate. We can see the sick healed, the bound set free, the lost saved. We can see changed lives, and the enemy cannot stop it. But we have to take the authority of the kingdom and use it. He's building this church, but he does it through his people. I want you to understand, listen, that authority that he gives us is for us to do what he wants. You know, Jesus talked in that passage about binding and loosing Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. We loose on earth is loose in heaven. You know, just to put it in a different vernacular here, binding and loosing, it's, it's whatever we allow or we disallow that then heaven, heaven's power is going to back it up. But we need to understand this, that he's not just giving us, you know, well, let me put it this way. So what we bind is bound in heaven. That doesn't mean that you can impose your will on heaven. That doesn't mean that you are the one in charge. No, we don't have any power apart from him. It is as we bind here on earth and we loose here on earth, heaven backs it up. But we're praying his kingdom come, his will be done. And whatever binding and loosing we do, we're doing that according to the will of God. And then heaven backs it up. We need to understand the authority that we have, but it's only as we're doing what the king wants. It's really strange to me how people get confused about that. It's something about our human nature in our pride that we want to be the one that's in charge. And a lot of people try to use the gospel as just another way to get what they want. But it's not about what we want. It's about what he wants. And I want you to know that's always way, way better. There's a great example of loosing in Luke chapter 13. A woman has been bound by Satan with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She's bent over. She can't ever raise herself up. And Jesus just simply says to her, he says, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And the power flowed, and she was healed. And we need to understand that, you see, when it's the will of God, when it's part of what God wants to do, that it happens. He backs it up. But we can't impose our will on heaven. No, we have to submit to his will, and we use his authority to bring his will. You know, as believers, we need to pray more. Not real popular preaching nowadays. We like everything quick and easy, including our Christianity. Let's just keep it kind of microwavable. It doesn't work that way. You know, and what we're talking about here this morning, it may sound pretty wild and pretty radical. But I'll tell you, for a praying people who are really seeking their king, oh no, That's right. this is real. That's right. So we need to be, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. And we pray, and we pray, and we pray. I want to tell you something. When you really pray and you seek God, I believe God speaks to us. I believe that God works in our lives, and He answers those prayers. But understand this. There comes a time when it's not just praying. There comes a time when we have to take action also. There comes a time when, like the Lord Jesus, we have to speak with authority, the authority of the kingdom. Peter and John, you know, these guys prayed a lot. I mean, they're on their way to the temple one day to go and have prayer. But on the way, they see this lame man. And here's what happens. It's Acts 3, 6 and 7. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. They're going to pray. And they see this lame man. It wasn't time to have a prayer meeting right here. They could have said, well, you know what? We're going to prayer. We'll pray for you. And sometimes maybe that's the right thing to do. But I want you to understand, that's not what happened this time. No, what happened this time is that with great boldness, with the authority of the kingdom, Peter speaks to this man. Rise up and walk. And then he goes over and he grabs him by the hand and lifts him up. Now, I want to tell you something. I believe that Peter was absolutely being led of the Spirit, that this was something that King Jesus put into his heart. This wasn't something he just had an idea, you know, that, hey, this would be cool, watch this. It wasn't like that. It wasn't just, you know, Peter's own idea. It was something he was obeying the Lord in. Because I want to tell you, you start pulling people out of wheelchairs, you better know God spoke to you. Anybody with me? And see, this has kind of gotten convoluted in our day. There's two extremes here. Well, here's, here's the truth, is that yes, God does this. Yes, sometimes we need to speak boldly in the, in the authority of the king. But also we need to be led of the king. We're carrying out his will, not just what we thought. You know, the apostle Paul... Had a demon-possessed girl following him around for several days until he had enough. It's Acts 16, 18. Paul, greatly annoyed. You ever been greatly annoyed? I have. About too many things, believe me. He turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. There's such authority there over demons. That's right. you know, you know, I don't know. Paul might have been praying for several days. You know, he says that this woman followed him around for several days. And maybe he was praying for several days. But there came a time when he spoke with authority and boldness. And that demon fled. But with authority... With the authority of the kingdom, I'm telling you, there's great power that backs it up. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. It's not about just talk. Talk is cheap. It's about the power of God. Life-changing power. You see, in the Corinthians, uh, in in Corinth at that time, the Corinthians, they, they had all these philosophers... They all liked to come together, and they would all share their views, talk about religion, all kinds of weird stuff. But everybody had an opinion, all talk. Here's the thing, it's kind of like that in our day. Everybody's got their own views, their own take on this, their own take on that. What do you think? And that, especially on social media. Oh my goodness, all kinds of the opinions are all out there, aren't they? Right. All talk. Talk. And even among Christians, a lot of the time, there's so much talk. People, Christians want to argue religion. Talk. We just become another one of the religions arguing. And some, it's not even about trying to win anybody. They just want to win an argument, you know. Yeah. It's all about their pet doctrine. They want to talk about their, this doctrine, this their doctrine. They, they want to talk about it all the time. That's not what the kingdom is about. The kingdom is about power. It is about power to change lives. It's real. It's not just talk. It's something that's truly life changing where the bound are set free, where people who have been empty on the inside are finally filled. People who have no purpose finally have meaning in life. It is something real that others can see that the life is changed that's what the kingdom is about. That's the proof. Our proof is not in our arguments. Well, it is in the power of the king to transform a life. You know, a few weeks ago we talked about this blind man, the man who was born blind in John chapter 9. And after Jesus heals the man, all they wanted, all the Pharisees wanted to do was Questioning, They just kept questioning him. And finally, the man says, look, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. You can't argue with a changed life. That's right. And that is the power of the kingdom of God in this world. You know, the time we live in now, it is, well, there's this culture of the seeker. They're seeking a better life, seeking meaning, seeking fulfillment, maybe in some way seeking God, but, you know, they consider themselves to be seekers of the truth, and they maybe read the Scripture, but a lot of these people, they also read New Age books and Wicca and all kinds of strange things, and, you know, they just kind of mix it all together, and they come up with their own version, their own mongrel faith, and don't really know the one true God. They know a God of their own making. But they they say things like, well, you know, I'm just trying to find what works for me. And see, that is so much a part of our culture, it, it almost sounds right to people. Yeah, I want to find what works for me. I want to tell you, there's only one thing that truly works. And that is when you let Jesus be Lord of your life, when you make him your king, when you turn your life over to him, that's the only thing that really works. And there's a lot of, a lot of religious people, they're, not just, they're just not coming that way because they want to be in charge what works for me. Jesus has to be king. That's the only thing that will ever really work when you turn it all over to to Jesus. And I want you to understand, I don't believe that the church is doing those people a service when we try to gimmick them into the church. You can't trick people into the kingdom. Jesus laid it out there. He didn't try to trick anybody into the kingdom. In fact, some of the time when you read the things that Jesus said to people, it's almost like, you almost get the impression like he's making it hard. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can make the church cool enough, sorry if you're cold this morning, that's not what I mean. (laughs) Um, If we can make the church hip and relevant enough, if, if the music is good enough, if the preacher is entertaining enough, maybe we can get people to come and get saved. If Jesus is not enough, they're not getting saved. That's right. That's right. Because we come to Him humble as a little child with nothing to King Jesus and we turn it all over to Him. Now, it's hard for me to say something like that in the church culture of the day, but I know that my Savior said things like, broad is the way to destruction, and many go in thereat. Narrow is the way to life, and few find it. Still truth today. Not what's popular, but it is still truth. It's the words of Jesus, and we just need to understand this. People don't need a watered-down version of the gospel where we try to sell Jesus to them. People need to know that there is a king who will come into their life and rule and reign and bring peace and joy and righteousness. That's what they need. That's the one thing that can truly change their life, is this kingdom. I'm telling you, there's real power Real life-changing power. You know, I want to remind you that when the disciples went out, the demons were subject to them when they used the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. It's not, you know, some kind of magic word like abracadabra. The name of Jesus carries the authority of Jesus when we use that name. Worse, like this, you know, you left your kids at home, and the youngest one is out in the front yard, tried to build a campfire, and the older brother says, "Hey, don't do that. You you shouldn't do that." And they just continue on, and so the older brother he he calls mom, "Mom, he's building a fire in the front yard." Mom says, you tell him, I said, to stop it right now. Older brother goes out. He says, mom said, you better stop it right now. Guess what? Now there's authority, and he stops what he's doing. We have the name of Jesus not to use what we want or do what we want, but to do what he wants. See, if older brother starts saying, mom said, mom said, when mom didn't say, older brother's going to get himself in a mess. And a lot of Christians get themselves in a mess trying to use the name of Jesus when Jesus wasn't behind it. His name, that authority, is to carry out His will and what He wants to do. John 16, 23, and in that day, Jesus says, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Ask, whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give you. I think a lot of people have gotten disillusioned because they tried to use or abuse verses like this for what they want instead of what he wants. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. That doesn't mean, hey, just go to God and ask him for a billion dollars i tell you, people ask God for the goofiest stuff. By the way, if that works, please come talk to me because I want to talk to you about tithing. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get one preacher joke in there. <laughs> Preachers always after my money. Well, praying for a billion dollars. Maybe you got a smaller version, but is it the same thing? How about, here's, here's, a, here's where it gets ugly. People sit, pray things like, in Jesus' name, we just pray that that president will die. I want you to understand something. That's evil. God doesn't work that way, and He's not going to answer your prayer that way. No. He wants us to reach people. He wants us to share the gospel with them. You see, the apostle Paul... Well, let's just start with Jesus. Jesus never prayed anything about getting rid of Caesar. There is no president in United States history that is as evil as the best of the Caesars. But Jesus never prayed, Lord, kill Caesar. And the apostle Paul never prayed that he would die. Instead, it was his hope and his desire to get to Caesar, to share the good news with him that he could be saved. But we have that name, that authority to bring his will, his kingdom into this earth. When we're doing that, let me tell you something. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. That's the truth. See, some people they say, oh, well, you know, Jesus' name is like a blank check. I've heard people preach that and I'm calling it out. That is a false teaching. Listen, if Jesus' name is on the check, he didn't give it to you so that you could just do whatever you want. That signature on there, that authorizes it. Authorize. That has to do with authority. Well, let me tell you something. You better not take Jesus' name and try to do something that he didn't intend. He's not gonna approve something that's not his will, no matter what you say. But the name of the king is to be used to advance his kingdom. And we do that when we share the gospel, when we pray for the sick, When we pray for those that are bound, that's the authority of the kingdom at work. and We should never abuse it. There's too many today who are pretenders. It reminds me of a story in the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 12 through 16, it says, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And also, there were seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overpowered them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. That's what you call a whooping. (laughs) This one man, demon-possessed, whooped these seven men, sent them out of the house naked and wounded. Pretenders! You know why the name of Jesus didn't work for them? Because Jesus wasn't their king. They didn't even know Jesus. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I want you to understand that whatever authority, whatever power we have in this world, it comes from Jesus. And we have to be submitted to Jesus. Listen, there's a lot of people that, I resist you, Satan. I resist you, Satan. I resist you, Satan. It doesn't matter how many times you resist him. If you're not submitted to Jesus, he won't flee. You have no, in our own selves, we have no power, no authority over Satan. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You got to get the first part, because if you have not submitted yourself to God, you have no authority over the enemy. Authority always flows from the top. Jesus has to be king Life isn't a game, and Christianity isn't a game. Being a follower of Jesus, it's not a game. We can't just pretend. It's got to be real. It's life-changing when Jesus becomes your Lord, when He becomes your King. That's truly life-changing. We all know of the Apostle Paul before His conversion, in fact, before he began to be the apostle to the Gentiles, he was known as Saul. And I want to read about his conversion in Acts chapter 9, beginning from verse 3. It says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, Saul was persecuting the church. But Jesus says, you're persecuting me. I just want to make the connection there that when somebody is persecuting the church, they're persecuting Jesus. When people are speaking against the church, they're speaking against Jesus. The church is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. But Jesus also said this, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. What is that about? A goad was a long stick with a sharp metal point on the end of it that they would use to get an oxen or a team of oxen to do what they wanted. And sometimes a stubborn ox would kick against that goad and it would just cause them more pain until they finally did what they were supposed to. And here's this stubborn, prideful, religious man refusing to come to the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says to him, isn't it hard for you to keep resisting my authority? To keep kicking against me? And you know what Paul's response was? Lord, what do you want me to do? This man was educated. Had everything going for him. He was very religious, very zealous, a driven man. Had a lot of pride. By the world standards, maybe he had reason to be proud. But he laid it all down at the feet of King Jesus. The religion, the education, the pride, He submitted it all to King Jesus. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Sorry. Jesus didn't say, just pray this prayer. Here was his prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do? That's real. Turning it all over to Jesus, making him your king. In every area of your life, no holding back. And here's the wonderful thing nobody that ever did that ever regretted it. Amazing. Nobody that ever turned their life over to Jesus ever regretted it. They got these stories, these videos now of deconstruction where people are deconstructing their faith. I want to tell you something. Nobody that ever truly submitted their life to King Jesus ever regretted it. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray. I'd like for our prayer partners to come.